Welcome to the Minivate Gang Podcast, episode 396. 396, oh my god. It's amazing, it's amazing. <laughs> We're recording uh, Saturday on the uh, 4th of March in 2017. I'm Tim Elliott, and I'm on with Phil Wilson. Hello. And we're joined by our guest host, Julio Ojeda Zapata. Good morning. How's life in St. Paul? Oh, good. Excellent. I'm just having my coffee, and I'm very happy. You're Excellent. Not, you know, you, a lot of yeah. times when, we, you, when you join us for the podcast, you're actually sitting on your porch. Is, is that happening today, or, or is it uh, still too cold? A little chilly for that. Uh, so, no, I'm in, I'm in my living room, yeah. Good deal. Good deal. And, of course, yeah. our, our normal leader, uh, uh, Steve Borsch, is away this week Yep. for some undisclosed, uh, in some undisclosed location, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So, well, he'll be back next week, though, so <laughs> to, get, to get us on track. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now, for the second week in a row, we're, we're staring down the barrel of, uh, of our tech stories for the week, and nothing really comes out as a big lead story, at least on the local side. I think on the national, right. I think the... the, the S3 problems at Amazon were probably a big deal. We'll talk about that a little bit, but uh, really nothing really major happening in the tech scene, uh, unless Julio Ojeda Zapata can tell us otherwise. Is it, this has been kind of a slow couple of weeks for you? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, yeah. so kind of slow. Yeah, the biggest thing that I saw was more detail on uh, the earnings reports from Best Buy and, and Target for the holiday uh, season and uh, kind of the the long story short is that both of them did poorly. Best Buy did better than uh, than Target by a lot, but uh, both were hampered by all sorts of things. In Best Buy's uh, case, it was uh, some availability issues for some hot products, and um, the uh, Galaxy Note Seven debacle also yes. cost them a couple hundred million dollars, which was eyebrow raising as far as I was concerned. Yeah, not good. Not good. Yeah. And then Target is is doing very poorly. They're uh, going to devote seven billion dollars into a reboot. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, what they can really do to uh, to turn things around, but they're certainly uh, uh, trying to to do all sorts of different things yeah, to try to turn things around. And their their commitment in the last two years has really been on the tech side to build better online tools and better compete in that space. So um, as with Best Buy, whenever you know whenever there's a sales struggle, you always have to wonder exactly where what will happen on the innovation side because you know tech is is while vital to the business is not their core business. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see, will they cut back on tech? Best Buy has done that in the past, sort of cut back on innovation and, and exploring new technology to focus on retail. Um, and uh, you think Target's going to do the same thing? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're in a really tough place because they're, you know, their, their entire business model is really dominated by walmart and and amazon so they're on two flanks both the brick and mortar and online they're both uh kind of you know really outgunned by the by the two big competitors so you know they they do have a, a branding uh you know and some exclusive products that they that they have they've certainly made a, a lot of improvements but up to now really nothing has changed the trajectory of their business so that's uh that's one to to really you know look with a weary eye. Now, Best Buy, on the other hand, um, they've done quite well of late, and you know th they went through the the near death experience years ago. Yeah. Um, the turn down of their business uh, over the fourth quarter last year 
wasn't nearly as bad. And there's even a bright spot that their um, uh, online business went up quite a bit. And it grew faster than uh, than Amazon and Walmart last year, according right. to this headline. So that's that's interesting to see. Um, and this is via Internet Retailer. If you want to take a look at that that particular story, uh, the link will, of course, be in the show notes. But uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I did notice that Target did talk about what they were going to do in their Q4 or, or ap- after their Q4 and the, the 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 makeover, which is also chronicled in in a, a piece that we will have a link to that. That part of that part of that um, makeover plan is to uh, close down larger stores and open smaller stores. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah they're going to expand their their smaller store strategy, um, which is has been part of their urban strategy. So I think in larger cities, you're going to see lots of smaller Target stores pop up, and they're going to uh, d- uh, depend less on the larger. Uh, big box suburban stores. That's presumably like the store they have in Highland Park. Yeah. Yep. Right. And Dinky Town. There's Dinkytown, one there yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. There's. Uh, I, I gather. I gather. Uh, another thing that they're doing is to sort of use their, their physical stores as uh, as as places from from whence uh, online orders uh, to homes um, originate. If I read that story correctly, which is uh, something that. Uh, in in a way, Amazon does. Uh, Amazon has uh, sort of, sort of set it set its up set its facilities up physically so that they can very quickly uh, dispatch online orders to people's homes. That that seems to be kind of a kind of a good way for both Best Buy and uh, and and Target to go. Because I I my, my wife and I were just talking yesterday how we uh, we we just increasingly reluctant to like to venture out to to, uh, to stores. You know, be on. Ordering online is just um, so much easier, and and the other the other point I want to make is um, stores increasingly um, are showrooms. They're not places necessarily where you, where you go buy things. They're places where you go buy go to, go to look at things and then place online orders. My wife was commenting how she in the past she used to go to the tile store and and. Uh, look at displays but then you know sort of ask for the product from from the back and then then leave and now when she goes to the tile store they have no inventory it's just it's just basically just kind of a showroom kind of a situation and then uh then you have uh, the order ships to your house um and it 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 seems to be the best buy and target uh to some extent uh seem to be moving that direction and should move in that direction because uh physical stores increasingly are, are just not what they used to be that's true. We're we're in, we're in a, a, a massive uh, disruption in in retail, um, and you know it's it's really going to change quite a bit in the next uh, you know near term, the next three to five years, I think, where you're going to see a much less uh, of the brick and mortar brands and a lot more of the transition for those that that have carved out um, an audience uh, to be online and and to have smaller stores like so so i see everything uh turning into kind of what apple pioneered uh, 10 years ago which is basically a store where you, you can go in and check stuff out before you uh, place an order online mm-hmm. so but yeah. I, I did like this hyper local distribution center angle that the the business uh, uh uh twin cities business magazine here has in this story so right right i mean just uh just just setting yourself up so that when you place an online order that order arrives the same day because the infrastructure behind that is is in place that 
is huge. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm unclear to what extent Target and Best Buy are able to pull that off. I know with, with, uh, with Best Buy, you can place an online order and then go pick it up yourself at the store, but that's so, a hassle. You want the thing to come to your house. Yeah. You can, you can do that with Target as well. We've done that a couple of times and, uh, you could still yep. pick things up at stores. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see this, this, uh, to your door service. I still think I still think it all comes down to price. I mean, what what really sparked Amazon's success in the in the change of the uh, the retail model was click was really price. So, and I think we all agreed that that we would probably go to Target more or Best Buy more if the the, the price were less of an issue. Uh, you know, because I would forego the delivery to home if I knew the price was going to be lower. And that's but the problem is they have to support those brick and mortar stores in those spaces. So it's a uh, it's an interesting world that the retail business is in. As as every business is changing, you know, innovation is going to make make um, old business models completely obsolete. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. Yep, and and how each of these uh, competitors to Amazon adopts AI, I think, will be um, also something to look for because Amazon really has a huge lead in that, as far as. Uh, you know, tracking customer uh, oh. demand and you know recommending products to you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of hard to do in the store. That's for sure. Indeed. So, uh, in in uh, other news uh, around, I, I was going to mention this last week, but uh, to tell you the truth, I forgot. But about this, uh, the Minneapolis Tech VC that has uh, decided to stop being a Minneapolis Tech VC. Uh, yeah, and, Dave Mao. Dave Mao and and. It's not for lack of his trying. It was the backing. It was the fund that he was managing here locally for for another company, right? Is that? Uh, yeah. So I've never heard of this VC come up capital. Apparently, the money came from China. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it's some fifty million dollars. They made some investments over the past year, but they've decided to retrench. He is uh, looking for new uh, new sources of funding yep. to to try to raise uh, another fund. So he that's that's he's looking to raise another 10 million right now and so they, they were able to to um put money f- uh, into a couple of the uh, local startups here so um i think both in the med space as i recall is that right no uh no there is one or actually there's a couple of them that were in the food space that's as it. far as yeah, foodly, del- was, del- foodly was one of them right yeah delivering lunches to uh to urban uh workers so yeah, and then ILO's, ILO's videos, which is, is, a, is a company they've written about, there were another one, correct? Yes. Yes, that was another one. But I've never heard of either of those. Do you have uh, experience with those, Julio? Yeah, I wrote uh, uh, extensively about ILO's videos a, a while ago because they're based in Lower Town, mm-hmm. um, or were based in Lower Town, last I heard. Um, they, they, uh, they are a company that make, uh, that make it make it easy to, uh, to web author videos, like within, for within, for. Uh, for you know, videos that you might distribute within a company, you know, for instruction and so forth, they made it like just brain dead simple to uh, to create videos without having to install any software, just doing it in your browser. Interesting company, uh, small company, uh, highly highly dependent on its, on its funding sources, uh, and, and so so I therefore worry, you know, what this what this potentially means for them because I remember getting some very uh, some very some very uh, ecstatic uh press releases about you know their about their uh, their funding and, and so forth so this this is potentially a, a problem for them i should i should uh maybe check in with them and see what's see what their situation is yeah it'd be interesting to find out if just you know stopping deciding not to fund anymore means they're pulling back funding that they've already committed or, or not but who, who knows who knows 
So the next uh, next piece here is usually something I would stick in my cool thing of the week, but I have another cool thing of the week. So I just stuck it here. It's a, <laughs> it's a local company yes. uh, that's making a uh, product called uh, Mach- Machina, I guess, or Machina? Machina? Machina, I think they pronounce it. Machina. Machina. Okay. Yeah. But this is a car product. It's it's actually taking those little adapters you can buy on eBay and overseas that uh, read your car computer to allow you to do things like check the engine light to see what's really going on before you take it in. Um, and uh, they've kind of taken it to the next level. And it's a Kickstarter that they've got uh, 19 days to go. They're way over their $25,000 goal. So this looks like it's going to actually uh, be made. Um, they're at 78000 right now. And they'll probably... I would say with 19 days to go, probably get to over 100,000. I would think so. So that means they'll turn them out faster, right? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to keep watching. That's always the yeah. big complaint. I, I, I'm still waiting for my Instamic, by the way. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these things are 45 bucks on the Kickstarter. There probably will be, uh, it says $55 when they go. This is at the very high end of these things. I, I've bought uh, a couple of these, and I think the, the most expensive I paid was $15 for the one that I use in my car. So. Oh, you do use uh, one. Very nice. I do. I do. Uh, now, this is, you know, this one is for people that want to actually change the performance of their car. Um, yeah, and is, all I want. This isn't just reading. This is also this is uh, yes. input and output. So. Yeah. yeah. This is you can change the, uh, the the performance of your car. You can basically hack the engine um, by by retuning things with this computer. This is uh, if you're really into tuning your car this is for you i just wanted something that was reliable that would read the code so i can uh, uh, see what's going on before i take it in because a lot of times you can actually through a little googling can figure out uh, problems and save yourself hundreds of hundreds of dollars for yeah. easy repairs yep. which i just did this in the past week hey nice job nice i just job. saved uh dollars on a repair what by doing the, it myself what was the nature <laughs> of the repair he asks inquisitively it was uh, – I had some problems with my fuel injector where it was wow. – uh, where, where the idle was rough. And so apparently um, – and I took it into my dealer and uh, they said, well, it's going to be like $400 to fix this thing and this is what it is. And so I, I just Googled the part and you can buy the part for $39 and it right. takes 10 minutes to install yourself. It's right in the front. So I, I did that and uh, the car runs great now. So Nice. Yeah, well, so I, was, I was wondering if you had a hoist at your house or something. Maybe I could. No, no, that. that's the next repair I need. I need a lift, so yeah. I'm gonna have to <laughs> have to go to a friend's house that uh, has one of those. So very cool. Anywho, so oh, I so also... I, I I see Phil, you've stuck this uh, Code Forty Two moves uh, into the uh, Minnesota uh, technology story. Well, yeah, I just sort of I, I I thought we'd just throw that in there. Just you know, we talked about how um, um, this uh, one hundred Washington building. They're positioning as this new tech hub, uh, which is I right. think, still one of the god-awfulest ugly buildings in the in downtown. But, but it has a Zen garden. Come on. Well, yeah. Does your building have a Zen garden? Well, Coco yeah. had a Zen garden. So <laughs> it's like oh, okay. you get a couple of flat rocks. <laughs> you, get a, you get a little fountain. Boom, Zen garden. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know. This is... Uh, I, f- I found it somewhat interesting that they considered this the hub of technology in the Twin Cities. But I well, know. I think I think that's partly because there's some other companies in there. I think Jamf Software yeah. recently yes. moved in there as well. Yes, so I think did. there's there's some there's some coalescing of 
different companies with, that are that are sort of simpatico with each other, and I think that's kind of what what uh, the tech hub is sort of obliquely referring to. And then there there were comments there, of course, from the CEO. It was a uh, was his name Payne. The last name is Payne, or I can't remember, but yeah. talking about you know all the great things in downtown. I don't believe he's moved here yet. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, so in other tech stories around the world, obviously Amazon, uh, their their uh, web services, they had a problem with their S3. S3, yeah. A big problem. And if you don't know, S3 basically houses uh, data for our, you know, Amazon web services really, really powers a lot of major companies online. Uh, it impacted us at BuzzFeed. I know it impacted pretty much every other company from uh, Snapchat to Pinterest to all sorts of companies that we interact with. And uh, they had a little problem that turned out to be human error. Am I right on that? They did, the typo in a command that Oops. they ran. So, so uh, you know, I run a fair amount of terminal commands myself in my everyday business. I don't, I'm not sure if you guys do the same. But whenever I'm doing something that's critical, yes. um, I don't type it in. I type it in in a, in a text uh, uh, document and I look at it more than once, and then I cut and paste it into terminal before I run the command. Good idea. Now, apparently, this guy didn't do that. And therefore, <laughs> he's a professional. He, Tim, <laughs> he took he took <laughs> offline hundreds of of their customers' uh, sites for a number of hours because uh, apparently this was the first time that they had rebooted the systems in yeah. years. Yes. And it takes a long time. Yeah. Apparently, more than three hours to reboot all the systems. Oh so. my god. Oh, yeah, it was, it was difficult. It was quite the day. Productivity went down quite a bit. But uh, what, Julio, what else did, you, did this affect? I mean, did you, did you feel well, the it impact? Affect, it, well, it affected the, uh, the Pioneer Press. Uh, interestingly, uh, see, the Pioneer Press uh, is it's an interesting case study because in the past, a lot of our, our tools for producing our website and our, um, and our uh, physical product uh, uh, tended to be uh, software you installed on, you know, native software, install, uh, desktop software you installed on your computer. Uh, o- over over time, we have become almost 100% web-based. Uh, all almost every tool we use, uh, you know, to, for production is is um, is uh, in a browser, um, and uh, we we were semi crippled because a lot because a lot of the tools. Like uh, Inform, uh, Inform is a video service uh, uh, that lets you embed uh, videos in in uh, your site and so forth. A lot, of, a lot of the tools we uh, either either uh, died completely or or were crippled. And I, um, uh, one of the things I do at the paper now, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, I kind of shifted a little over to the to the website, and I'm one of the people that helps run the website and run the, the social media accounts at the paper. In addition to reporting, and so I, I was, uh, I was working uh, the web desk uh, when this was all happening, and I, it was, it was crazy. There were a whole bunch of things that I just flat out could not do, and so I, I really, I, f- I felt these effects uh, directly. It was very frustrating. Well, and, and as as a result, obviously they've got a new plan uh, to uh, more for more redundancy to uh, work towards better dashboard. That's uh, because when, one of the issues was that that the dashboard that they run to monitor their system was down because the system was down, and it was dependent on you know monitoring one system. This with the same system is not really probably the best idea, but uh, you know you live and you learn. So. 
there was a lot of freak out though on uh, on social media, especially uh, Twitter, when all this went down. Oh, of course, it's easy. So to, it makes you. Th- it's easy to get Twitter think. to freak out, <laughs> right? Especially these days. But yeah. it uh, it just makes you think: what would happen if we did have a um, you know a long term web outage? Would, how would people cope with that uh, psychologically? Yeah, they may just have to go back to talking to each other. That would just suck. I know. It'd be like it, it'd be like uh, before we had the web, which it'd be was like the two thousand, which was fine. Yeah, <laughs> when we had when we had a gopher. That's right. When we had uh, pagers and and uh, yeah. answering services. Remember oh, those? Oh yeah, those were great. Good old times. Good times. Good times. Good times. Indeed, it was. <laughs> I put this story in. So this next Uber story. Oh, um, don't I, you? Aren't you glad you don't work at Uber, Tim? <laughs> yeah, this came out late yesterday afternoon. It's from the New York Times, and it basically chronicles how Uber has used a, uh, a secret software thing that from their app called Grayball, where they're able to identify law enforcement people, and then um, when they ha- try to hail cabs and sting operations, they basically show uh, phantom traffic around them. And they've been using this in several cities where Uber has been. Uh, banned, and uh, I mean, it just really shows you how organized uh, Uber is to uh, subvert the authorities when they, when they, when they put their mind to it. Well, I got to tell you, it's been quite the uh, month or two for Uber. That's for sure. Uh, you know, there was a, a, a long uh, article, long follow up um, on commentary from a former female uh, developer from from Uber, and talking about. Um, um, Problems with uh, harassment and and uh, at at Uber, uh, and then uh, following that was uh, the CEO earlier this week and his uh, lovely video being in the back seat of an Uber arguing with one of his Uber drivers about about the business. So it's probably not a really great time to be at Uber. Probably not. So. But yeah, I'm a, I'm of I'm of two minds about Uber. Uh, on the one hand, um, I I firmly believe that uh, you know companies like Uber that are not going to succeed by playing nice and you know and following all the rules. I mean, you have to break rules uh, when you're going to get ahead as a, as a startup. I mean, you have to be aggressive and take risks, and Uber definitely does that. But I I just have a bad taste in my mouth. With this company, I, I I don't use Uber anymore. I deleted their app, and um, when I need a ride, I, I use Lyft uh, because just uh, culturally, uh, it's it it's it's just really God, you know, very disgusting the way it treats its employees. Yes. Um, just uh, just basically the uh, the culture and the environment. I I could just I I could not see myself working at Uber. That's uh, that's for sure because. Uh, um, even if I wanted to, I, I, I'm pretty sure my wife would forbid it. So. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, you know, I, I'm with you that, in that you do have to break some rules. However, breaking rules is different than breaking laws, and it's different than, uh, you know, you can't you can't treat any part of your workforce uh, disrespectfully, and they do that with uh, with their female workforce, and that just doesn't that that shouldn't happen, and. You know, plus it shouldn't happen knowingly to the HR department, which is apparently has been going on there for quite some time. So uh, I would agree with you that the, the culture at Uber is not one that is good. And they're doing their very best to get rid of, uh, obviously, their employees because they want to they really want to, uh, you know, 
precipitate uh, driverless cars. So, um, you know, if they, if they'll, they'll be happy with the business once they don't have employees, I think. So. Hmm. Well, but one thing that occurred to me is if the mafia was running this business, would they run it any differently than Uber is running it? I don't know. <laughs> Probably I, not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I anyway, so no Leo, idea. I, I put the next story in uh, to, to basically talk about uh, what happened at Mobile World Congress in the past week, which is that Nokia is back. And they uh, announced uh, not only some uh, a line of uh, Android phones, which looked pretty solid, but also their uh, 3310, which is a feature phone, which is making a comeback. So, so what do you make of this, Julio? Well, I thought I thought that was uh, kind of an interesting uh, gimmick, uh, kind of a stunt. Uh, uh, I, if I as I, I gather, the phone is sort of an updated version of the old classic, you know, slightly yes. larger screen. And so forth. Um, thought it was cute, uh, darling. I, I, I think the word know. the word darling comes to mind. So. I don't know how well that's going to sell because you know the market's moving entirely over to the, the smartphones. Um, and uh, my, I guess my my question was, couldn't they the screen look large enough to to uh, to warrant you know putting full a full uh, smartphone interface on there? You know, possibly at a higher price. So it, does, it seemed like like a like a stunt, you know, sort of like a concept car at an auto show. Um, well, remember, remember, gonna, they not, not going to do very well, or well, they sell they sell a lot in emerging markets, and uh, you know, they talked about India and specifically uh, uh, that this phone was meant for. So in a lot of places in in Africa and uh, Asia, where smartphones and and you know. 3G and uh, or 4G may not be available. This kind of thing may take off because it is. I think it's 50 bucks or less. Yeah, uh, granted. Yeah, granted. But I don't. Uh, if I'm, I was reading this correctly, I don't think they were positioning it that way. I think they were positioning yeah. it for for consumption in in countries like the United States. And um, if, if if that is the case, I I'm I don't sure. How, I'm not sure how well it will do. Well, it'll do well with senior citizens because I, I went through all sorts of problems to find a, a phone for my mother that is a phone like this. I ended up with an LG, but would interface with her Lexus so she could do calls over the car deal. And there was basically only one thing that I could find on T-Mobile. So okay. something like something like this would be good for her because she just hates smartphones right? uh, okay. after, tr after trying them several times. Um but yeah, no, I I, I think that it is sort of a, a stunt, and uh, but the you know their their line of Android phones look pretty good, and this is the Finnish Nokia making a comeback after they sold the business to Microsoft, who promptly ran it into the ground. <laughs> and the and the thing that jumped out at me about their Android phones, see, uh, Android phones annoy me to a large extent because many of the companies they layer on all, all kinds of things and they make. Uh, uh, drastic modifications to the interface. Uh, I, I like Android phones that you know stick as much as possible to the to the uh, to the stock Android OS, which is really good now and does not need, really need to be changed all that much. And I, as if I read the news correctly, this phone is very much like uh, like Google's own phones in that it it doesn't have a lot of customization. And that and that that's at least for me that's great. Yeah, it's stock nougat pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So well, one thing I'd like to see OEMs do is um, have the OS updates delivered through Google directly so that you would get them quicker. And I haven't seen that happen on anything except for the, uh, you know, the, the Google phones themselves. Uh, 
So that's one one of the problems with Android that I see because I, I just got a uh, an uh, I have a, a phone uh, that that still has Marshmallow on it. And I just got another update today on that, and it's coming through T-Mobile but through LG. So you know it's just especially these days with security, I'd like to see them come directly from the manufacturer. This like uh, happens with Apple. But you have uh, another link in the show notes about the, the Google Assistant um, uh, being released. And that apparently is, is circumventing the, uh, the carriers is, and is being delivered directly, correct? Yes. And I expect that with the latest update I just got from LG that uh, I will have that uh, feature updated on my phone. So I'll, yeah. I'll have to uh, check that out. Uh, although I have to say that the Google app itself is really good even without the Google Assistant. And so, you know, I have had some experience with Google Assistant uh, through the um, uh, the Google Home device. And it is it is better, but it's not that much better than what's uh, currently there and presumably what's available on iOS, which is, I think, the same thing that I, I've had on my Android phones for a long time. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how they roll out the uh, enhanced assistant across all the platforms which i would i would expect them to do fairly quickly and especially especially in light of how much of a competitor alexa is indeed and uh, you know i have a uh, an echo uh, in my house and i use it every day um and one of the things that i think it does really well is the all the home automation stuff which uh, google home does not do yet so they really need to to catch up with Alexa there. Doing web searches, though, Alexa's terrible. Um, yeah, and Google awful, awful. <laughs> really is really good at that. So that's really their their benefit. So if you do a lot of web searches in your voice deal, then then the Google Home is the one you want to get. If you if you just want to do what we do with it, which is listen to the news and and um, maybe some music occasionally and uh, add things to your shopping list, uh, Echo is great for that. In other uh, Google news, uh, YouTube just came out or just announced the YouTube TV, which is a $35 a month over-the-top sort of internet cable TV bundle. So uh, what do you guys think about that? Well, it's just one more place to watch TV online. So um, I don't – you know, it'll be interesting to see what the offerings are uh, and, and how robust it is for $35 a month. It's really not that robust, actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, you you look at it. It does have all the major networks, and yeah. it does have the ABC properties and some of the NBC properties. Um, but it doesn't have things like uh, HGTV, which in this house, uh, yeah. that's a non-starter if you don't have it. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, Tim, I, have, have you cut my the, house too? Yeah. I think we've asked this. Have you have you cut the cord? Are you all no. online? Okay. No, 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 no. We still have cable. We have two TiVos with cable cards yep. uh, down here. We're, we're in uh, charter territory. Yep. It still bugs me. I pay um, $90 a month for you know, a, you know, a bundle, which I watch only you know eight cable channels consistently on. You and me both, brother. <laughs> yeah. And we do have this conversation from time to time um, in the house about cutting the, the cord again, because we did uh, cut the cord, I don't know, five or six years ago. And then we, uh, you know, we used Hulu and Netflix and 
you know, it was much less advanced in those days. We, you know, I bought a bunch of stuff on iTunes uh, to fill in on shows. Yeah. Um, and uh, we just decided that it was more convenient to have everything in the TiVo interface. So we went back to cable. And of course, when you come back, you get a hot smoking deal for the first year. So it's, it actually works out to be about the same as if you're a cable cutter. Um, and then after that, it, they charge you a lot more. Yeah. So, so I, I think it's, you know, it's what the wife will tolerate. And uh, right now, all of these over-the-top things are just, you know, she's used to the DVR. So she's used to watching what she wants when she wants to recorded. And none of these have a DVR uh, yet, none of the services. I think that YouTube is talking about doing a cloud DVR of some sort. Well, uh, well, DVRs are are coming are are here or are coming for all of these services. And actually, I mean, uh, Sling is beta testing DVR functionality. I, I believe the the Sony the product is as well. So DVR is going to be kind of kind of a standard issue at, at some point. So um, and that has that has the cable companies uh, companies scared. But to your point, Tim, I I I I consider cutting the cord every so often. I I I sort of evaluate whether we should cut the cord and i realize it it's just not going to work in my household because uh first uh i will pry the uh the comcast xfinity remote from my wife's cold dead hands it's just not, it's just not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> and uh and qu- and quite honestly the uh the, the comcast xfinity x1 system is Really, really good. I mean, cable companies get a bad rap, um, but I, I, I sort of compare feature to feature with with some of the some of the alternatives, and um, it, it's really it's really really good. Um, uh, they recently uh, they recently rolled out a feature where if you record something on your DVR, you can uh, you can access that recording uh, on the internet anywhere. You just pull it up in your browser. It's still a little glitchy, but um, hoping that'll get worked out. But um, it's it's a great um uh, when you travel it's a great feature to have it's all your all your shows are uh, all your recordings are available right there it's it's really fantastic so it, and um uh, and i've crunched the numbers and we wouldn't really save all that much money and so it's just recording the whole cut cording thing in my household is completely non-starter i don't, I don't think it's going to happen yeah it all comes down to convenience and what you're used to and, uh, you know, a lot of people of our generation, um, they're used to linear television because that's the way we grew up. And it's kind of the way you're wired. Um, I like personally the Netflix approach where I know what I want or I can use their, you know, search functionality to, to find stuff and then watch it when I want. And so it doesn't bother me that I turn on a, you know, a station. But my wife, she wants to flip around. And, you know, you can do this on some of these over-the-top services, but it's just not quite the same as what cable delivers. So, Yeah, my, Plus, wife, doesn't flip, my wife doesn't flip around. She, I mean, she just, she just identifies all her shows, uh, has them queued up uh, as recordings, and just, and just kind of knock them down one by one. Um, yeah. But the other, the other point is um, Netflix recently, uh, Comcast recently integrated Netflix into its X1 system. So, so that, that's built in, for God's sake. Yeah. Well, and Apple is doing some things uh, along those lines, although they don't have Netflix yet. But, you know, their TV app uh, kind of aggregates a lot of stuff. And, and we use that for mainly for Showtime and, and HBO shows that, we, that we're watching. So, um, you know, if they improve that and they get Netflix in there, the Apple TV would, would be a, a good solution for a lot of people, particularly if they come out with uh, an over-the-top system or they integrate 
you know, Sling or, or DirecTV Now or one of these other guys uh, into that TV uh, app experience. One other thing that I put in here is this wearables report from IDC. And what was interesting is that although Fitbit was number one, Xiaomi uh, was number two, which kind of surprised me. Uh, Julio, I don't know if you know that I, I switched from Fitbit to Xiaomi after using uh, Pebble devices. Um, and uh, I, I'm really happy with it. It's, it does everything that my Fitbit did, it, and uh, it does it for about 20 bucks as opposed to sp spending more than $100 for the Fitbit device that uh, that's comparable 100%. with it. So, are, you still, uh, are you still in mourning for Pebble? Uh, yeah, yeah. I went. I upgraded to a Pebble 2, and then, of course, uh, Fitbit bought them and announced the shutdown, and I thought, well, it's, you know, it's not going to work very much longer. So I, I was within my uh, target. Uh, they give you, with uh, the red card, they give you, uh, I think, either six weeks or eight weeks to return. So I was within that return window and so i was able to do that but yeah i do miss the uh, the pebble I, it was to me the perfect wearable did everything i wanted to do um i miss the notifications although Xiaomi does give you a little bit there but they're in number two position on their strength in china they really they're really hard to to buy here you have to buy them through an importer it takes a month to to get here um but uh, it's very you know, it's a very solid product once you get it and does everything that the Fitbit does. Uh, so interesting to watch this space. Uh, Apple, number three position. So they're clearly dominating the smartwatch space. And well, the, uh, I don't uh, see that changing. Apple, well, the related news is the Apple Watch uh, for Apple is doing very well. Uh, there were a lot, yeah. a lot of naysayers about the product. Uh, uh, a lot of speculation that it was going to be a dud. Uh, that, that, that seems to be, even though Apple doesn't, release like keeps a lot of his information close to the vest uh it seems clear at this point that you know the apple watch is a go yeah no it's uh, clearly uh after you know a slow start i would have to say but uh, you know they've really brought it together and if you if you're in that ios uh, uh space as far as your phone that would be the one to get actually i would if i had an iphone i would get that as opposed to a pebble even if pebble was still around but because i was on android and and i did uh, also uh spend a month with a um uh android wear device and the the problem i had with it was battery life was terrible it was you could mm. get a couple of days out of it if you wanted um but for the most part you had to charge it every day and i i used my device for sleep tracking so that, that made it less attractive to me that I'd have to get up every morning and put it in the charger to charge. Um, well, then you'd, did, be you'd be annoyed with the Apple Watch too. then the Apple yeah. Watch is not, somewhat comparable. Right. Uh, the, the Xiaomi band I have, I have the Mi Band 2, and it lasts for 20 days on a single charge. And uh, mm -hmm. it does, you know, the heart rate stuff and your sleep tracking and steps and all that. And some light uh, notifications, very similar to the, the Fitbit charge that I had before. Can you wear any? Uh, can you? Is it water resistant? Or? It is, but it's <clears throat> but it's uh, only as water resistant as some of the Fitbits are. So you can't really swim with it. You can't. You don't want to wear in the shower. shower or anything. So okay. right. yeah. So so it's similar to that. And that's the one thing I did like about Pebble is you could actually swim with it if you wanted to. The Pebble and the latest like. Apple Watch model, you can't. You can do that. You can swim too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the last story here is Apple's decline in the classroom. I thought this was interesting that uh, if you look at the chart in this uh, New York Times piece, the uh, the way, the trajectory that uh, 
that Google has really gained market share over the past five years is is really amazing. It's like it's a hockey stick. Well, I tell you, it's it, it comes down to one thing and one thing only: price. Uh, and Apple has right. no, Apple has notoriously refused to really offer any substantial discount to school districts, especially in the you know they had their opportunity in the world where uh, the iPad <clears throat> became a very usable tool in the classroom. And I know I can speak for the Lakeville School District that we made a substantial investment in, in Apple iPads in the first go round. But when it came to the second time around, we made less investment in, in Apple because they refused to give any kind of deal um, right. that that is substantial enough to make it. A, a, you know, so being able to get Chromebooks for for you know a fraction of the price of just one iPad um, or or just you know uh, other tablet devices, it was uh, it was a no brainer. Uh, yeah, well, like a well, third. well. Yeah. It- well, it isn't just price. I mean, there's some other issues. No, uh, it's uh, just uh, price. It's just price. It's that simple because mm-hmm. because oh. the school districts will go above and beyond um, to accommodate devices. We've done that um, if there well, if there's a good deal. No, it's that simple. Guys. Come I, I, on. I would say I would say that yeah, I agree with you, Phil. That price is a major component, and that's one of the things that's pointed out in the story is that they say that you can buy three Chromebooks to every one uh, Apple device. Um, but I think that the uh, the keyboard is required in standardized testing, uh, which you could still do with an iPad, but it, this adds to the price where you already have a, a extreme price advantage with uh, uh, the the uh, Chromebook, and that but it also has this advantage of having an integrated keyboard. Plus, you have a office suite that comes with it for basically free. Um, you know, which you know. Really, on the iPad side, you don't. Well, I, I should point out that Apple does also offer keyboard-enhanced devices. The right, but it, co- it costs and, the art high but, price. That's know? exactly. That's why we had to yeah. switch to Chromebooks is because of sure. the price. We couldn't afford the keyboards anymore. We couldn't afford the, you know, we, we moved, we transitioned off from the iMacs, which, you know, where was this lab concept where instead of having individual devices for for students there was the lab so we could uh, we we would buy the iMacs because of the reliability the 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 keyboard that sort of a thing but when we switched to uh, you know more laptops and more personalized devices clearly it it was insane and apple refused to budge and, and this is the this is one of the other things that bothers me about about apple beyond you know beyond the fact that they uh, have an insane amount of money offshore, but the fact that they say they're dedicated to education, but can't cater to the simple needs of what uh, of what the education world has to struggle with, and that's a limited budget, uh, and they refuse to get into that that game. And um, well, they might they might at this point now that they're uh, now that their toehold is in danger. I'm guessing but, it's, uh, it's doubtful they'll probably forego it before they do that. Well, bo- both the other... uh, both Google and and Microsoft have cloud uh, OSs. I mean, Microsoft just came out with their cloud version of Windows 10. So, do you think that Apple will also ha- be forced, basically, to have an OS which is similar or competitive with that for for the education market, but uh, maybe for lower cost computing? Well, you raise a good you raise a good point because the other reason Chromebooks are are popular is because they're uh, on the administrator side they're they're crazy easy to manage partly because they're web based and the other uh, and on the student side Chromebooks are are fantastic because any student can pick up any Chromebook and log into his or her account 
and go. Right. Um, and so they're basically interchangeable. I mean, you can just kind of, kind of, kind of hand them out randomly to kids, um, which is not as easy to do uh, with an iPad. Um, which an iPad in schools, iPads typically it's, it's one iPad assigned specifically to a student kind of a thing. Um, and so, so that uh, the web, the web, uh, the Chrome OS web-based uh, model is um, is very, very powerful. Uh, which is why Microsoft is kind of moving in that direction. Apple, though, uh, that's just not the Apple way. And I don't know if if in the long term that's gonna, that's going to kill them. Well, couldn't Apple though um, have a multiple user sign-in on the iPad? I mean, why haven't they done that? Because that's one thing that you know, obviously the Chromebook you just mentioned is a big advantage of, and they could mitigate it somewhat on the iPad with having you know multiple users, the ability yeah. to you know sign in. Does the word yeah, wall that, garden that, but, sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's still that's still uh, you know certain specific users assigned to that particular iPad. It's not a situation where right. any student can pick up any iPad and just sign in, and so. Yeah. And so the, basically, uh, Google makes it, there's the whole price issue, of course, but that also Google makes it just brain dead simple for teachers. I mean, te- teacher, it just removes all the obstacle, all the tech obstacles in a teacher's way and just lets them teach. And it's amazing. And it, it's, uh, it's somewhat unfortunate, though, because the, the Chromebooks that are typically purchased for classroom use are just god awful chintzy machines i mean they're just ter- they're horrible uh hardware wise i i just my eyes hurt just looking at them but um but <laughs> but the uh but but they do they do the job and the price yeah. is right the, the price, price is, right, is yeah. right so we've just done an right. accidental gang mentality here so that's exactly. well yeah and this is you know i i i should i should point out that as strong as i feel about you know some of the things I I disagree with Apple about. I still use their products, so yep, same uh, here. I'm, I'm a walking conflict of interest. So, <laughs> and, and so. here and, and here in St. Paul, I, I should note uh, St. Paul they they did an iPad rollout uh, 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 a little while ago, uh, and apparently it worked because the, they re-upped. So they're just buying a whole new bunch of uh, iPads. Uh, you know, per uh, some reporting from one of my Pioneer Press colleagues. Uh, I, and I read that story very carefully. One question I had was whether the new iPads are going to be iPad Pros with the keyboards. I, I don't know. I'm very curious about whether that's the case. Probably not, but um, uh, you know that that certainly would be cool if they did that. Interesting. So let's uh, let's segue to uh, cool things of the week, shall we? Or the cool conspiracy of the week, uh, no, as the no, case I, might be. I just want to point out that, uh, okay, so we'll start with mine. Yes, on the face of this, <laughs> this it is an article about conspiracy. It's from a New Yorker article about uh, the new Cold War. With, uh, right. And yes, it, it's, very, it, it's very political and leaning in nature. Uh, so, but it, but it that's leads not, off with some of the juiciest conspiracies of our time. Yes, it does. But... What I found interesting was a small excerpt within the article. That was really the thing that I I was most enamored by, which I thought was cool. The whole Cold War thing, not cool. But this was, now, in an excerpt from the article, in 2008, according to Dark Territory, Our History of Cyber War by Fred Kaplan, Russian hackers accomplished a feat that Pentagon officials considered almost impossible, which is breaching a classified network 
that wasn't even connected to the public internet. So how did they do that? Apparently, Russian spies had supplied cheap thumb drives stocked with viruses to retail kiosks near NATO headquarters in Kabul. Betting wow, cor- that, that's a brilliant strategy. Betting correctly that a U.S. serviceman or woman would buy one and insert it into a secure computer. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, that's kind of cool. <laughs> that, that is that is no, that is spy stuff. That's that spy. Great. That's some spy shit right there. <laughs> indeed, indeed, it so, is. That's right, right out of Homeland. I, uh, yeah, really it was stuff. Uh, very interesting great tradecraft. Uh, so uh, that's that was the piece. Those little nuggets were were the things that I find interesting as I'll get out. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that was kind of a cool thing. So, Tim. All right. All right. So back back to tech. Uh, Julio, what's your cool thing of the week? Uh, I wrote a tidbit story about it. Uh, it's, a little, it's an Apple Watch uh, charging stand that is that that looks like a little 128K Mac, the, <laughs> the original Mac. I love this. It's, it's a good a idea. Little, Little rubber thing. Uh, the screen is kind of a cutout. It has a slot on the top, so you you drop your watch in, and when you drop your watch in, this the 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 watch screen becomes essentially the Mac screen. And since the watch is sideways, it activates nightstand mode. So you have this little thing on your bedside that looks like a Mac. Uh, it has the time on it. It's just your basic a basic bedside clock. Uh, it's absolutely it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and um, Initially, I wasn't going to write about it uh, because it just seemed like you know just a one sentence story. But a friend a friend gave me uh, one of these uh, the other day as a gift, oh. um, and uh, we were we were we were a bunch of friends sitting around a tap room. He gave me this as a gift, and everyone else uh, at the table just erupted in glee and a little bit of envy. I mean, and my wife saw this thing. My wife has no interest in the Apple Watch whatsoever, but she saw this. Thing, and she said, I want one. I want one of these. <laughs> uh, I see you also have a G4 Cube in your office. I do, yeah. Crazy. Um, That's impressive. But, uh, but this, uh, yeah, that, and it actually I, it actually works. I, I found, uh, just to, just to uh, digress, I, I found the Cube on Craigslist. And the person selling the Cube apparently, you know, uh, inherited it from, from somebody else. And the person selling it on Craigslist had no idea what she had. I mean, she could have charged me three or four times what she did. I felt a little bad. I almost wanted to tell her, you know, you're <laughs> you're, you're not pricing this thing right. But but I kept quiet. You know, I just. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> what is that it, uh, caveat emptor? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if if you're okay running, you know, really old version of Mac OS, uh, those things still can can be useful even today. No, I, no, I actually fired it up. Uh, actually, fired up the cube, and it it loaded the Apple homepage just fine. Yeah, it, it, I think it runs yeah. Jaguar uh, OS ten Jaguar, I believe, is the last version. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not actually using it. I just have it as kind of a decorative prop right beneath my uh, my yeah. my actual 128k Mac. It's a beautiful um, piece. It's, yeah, a lovely yeah. little, it's a lovely little shrine you have there, Julio. Very nice. I, and I got my action figures and. And all of that. So, so how much and is I, this, I, how much is this little uh, watch stand power charging station thing? Oh gosh, I don't remember exactly. I think about nineteen dollars. It's it's, it's oh, very cheap. I gotta get. And I discovered, those. and I discovered something about the Apple Watch which I didn't know. This thing is on my nightstand, and I discovered you know the the Apple Watch screen will go off after a few seconds. But I discovered, uh, which is very interesting. I just have to reach out and lightly tap my night table. 
tap, tap. And the, the watch comes back on. Nice. Fourteen ninety nine, uh, Phil. Okay. So yeah. very affordable. You got to get one. Well, you isn't there a setting in the in the in the watch that you can put it on uh, nightstand mode and it stays lit? Possibly. I think yeah, there possibly. is. Yes, I think there is. Yeah, so, and, and then that, was, that was part of uh, OS two, I believe. So. Yeah, and and the uh, and and I should add the this little doodad comes in a in a in a dark gray color for people that want it to match their you know their darker. Uh, watch bands and watches, although it's it borders on heresy from the. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, so. that's not what you yeah. want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got you. I love that. All right. So my cool thing is a return to the uh, Raspberry uh, Pi world. Uh, uh, they uh, they uh, introduced, <laughs> introduced this week the Raspberry Pi Zero uh, W, which is now ten dollars. Of course, the Raspberry Pi Zero is five dollars. Same form factor, so it's really teeny tiny thing, but this thing adds uh, onboard Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, which makes it uh, very usable for a number of different projects. Um, so I will be purchasing one as soon as I can find one at my local uh, store here, which is Micro Center. <sighs> okay. <laughs> it was cool. You got to say it's cool. Get out. So. Get out of the world, Tim. Tim, there's a big, great big world out there beyond Raspberry Pi. I just I want know. you to know. <laughs> well, the only thing that's new in the upcoming events was the overnight website challenge. The nerdery folks sent an email out this week, and it's coming up on the 22nd and 23rd of April. It's going to be at the Grain Exchange at Coco this time. So yep. it looks to be a smaller event than it had grown before, but uh, and, and somewhat expanded. They, in the email that they sent me, they talked about uh, how uh, they're inviting not only web web design and you know, web builders but also people that can do things like uh, back back office types of stuff and uh, do mobile apps so be interesting to see how that develops this year and, uh, and they also have similar event down in their other offices down in uh, Chicago and, and actually and, ginger, ginger Buckland is running that whole thing with them for them now so um, they actually have expanded the website challenge to many other cities so they, she's actually they been doing a lot of road shows so uh, yep. check Chicago, it out always a good time always a good yep. time indeed so and then I'm on my way to a, a mini demo volunteer excuse me a mini bar volunteer event today so uh, we'll get some more information on what's coming up for mini bars look forward to that and of course uh, mobile twin cities is just around the corner a week from tuesday please join us if you'd like how about that that was my plug sounds good all right sounds good have fun julio yes take, sir take care of yourself have a great week okay oh thank you then and thanks for joining us I, it's my pleasure. Okay. So, uh, you know, there'll be stuff that'll uh, happen next week. And so we'll probably talk about it when Steve returns on the Minivate Gang podcast. Fire.
Burns, burns, burns. 